0: chapter twenty five part one of the filigree ball by anna Katherine green this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by caroline chapter twenty five who will tell the man inside there part one later i saw this letter it was like no other that has ever come under my eye written at intervals as her hand had power or her misery found words it bore on its face all the evidences of that restless suffering spirit which for thirty-six hours drove her in frenzy about her room and caused loretta to say in her effort to describe her mistress's face as it appeared to her at the end of this awful time it was as if a blight had passed over it once gay and animated beyond the power of any one to describe it had become a ghost's face with the glare of some awful resolve upon it i give this letter just as it was written disjointed paragraphs broken sentences unfinished words and all the breaks show where she laid down her pen possibly for that wild pacing of the floor which left such unmistakable signs behind it it opens abruptly i killed him i am all that i said i was and you can never again give me a thought save in the way of cursing and to bewail the day i came into your life but you cannot hate me more than i hate myself my wicked self who seeing an obstacle in the way to happiness stamped it out of existence and so forfeited all right to happiness forever it was so easy had it been a hard thing to do had it been necessary to lay hand on knife or lift a pistol i might have realized the act and paused but just a little spring which a child's hand could manage who feeling for it could help pressing it if only to see i was always a reckless girl mad for pleasure and without any thought of consequences when school bored me i took all my books out of my desk called upon my mates to do the same and stacking them up into a sort of rostrum in a field where we played first delivered an oration from them in which reverence for my teachers had small a part then tore them into pieces and burned them in full sight of my admiring schoolfellows i was dismissed but not with disgrace teachers and scholars bewailed my departure not because they liked me or because of any good they had found in me but because my money had thrown lustre on them and on the whole establishment this was when i was twelve and it was on account of this reckless escapade that i was sent west and kept so long from home and all my flatterers my guardian meant well by this but in saving me from one pitfall he plunged me into another i grew up without cora and also without any idea of the requirements of my position or what i might anticipate from the world when the time came for me to enter it i knew that i had money so did those about me but i had little or no idea of the amount nor what that money could do for me when i returned to washington so in an evil day and when i was just eighteen i fell in love or thought i did with a man oh francis imagine it now that i have seen you of sufficient attraction to satisfy one whose prospects were limited to a contracted existence in some small town but no more fitted to content me after seeing washington life than if he had been a common farmhand or the most ordinary of clerks in a country store but i was young ignorant and self-willed and thought because my cheek burned under his look that he was the man of men and suited to be my husband that is if i thought at all which is not likely for i was in a feverish whirl and just followed the impulse of the moment which was to be with him whenever i could without attracting the teacher's attention and this alas was only too often for he was the brother of one of our storekeepers a visitor in Owasso, and often in the store where we girls went why the teachers did not notice how often we needed things there i do not know but they did not and matters went on and-i cannot write of those days and you do not want to hear about them they seem impossible to me now and almost as if it had all happened to some one else so completely have i forgotten the man except as the source and cause of an immeasurable horror yet he was not bad himself only ordinary and humdrum indeed i believe he was very good in ways or so his brother once assured me we would not have been married in the way we were if he had not wanted to go to the klondike for the purpose of making money and making it quickly so that his means might match mine i do not know which of us two was most to blame for that marriage he urged it because he was going so far away and wanted to be sure of me I accepted it because it seemed to be romantic, and because it pleased me to have my own way in spite of my hard old guardian, and the teachers, who were always prying about, and the girls, who went silly over him, for he was really handsome in his way, and who thought, at least many of them did, that he cared for them when he cared only for me i have hated black eyes for a year he had black eyes i forgot cora or rather i did not let any remembrance of her hinder me she was a very shadowy person to me in those days i had not seen her since we were both children and as for her letters they were almost a bore to me she lived such a different life from mine and wrote of so many things i had no interest in on my knees i ask her pardon now i never understood her i never understood myself i was light as thistle-down and blown by every breeze there came a gust one day which blew me into the mouth of hell i am hovering there yet and am sinking francis sinking save me i love you i i it was all planned by him i have no head for such things sadi helped him sadi was my friend but sadi had not much to say about it for he seemed to know just how to arrange it all so that no one at the seminary should know or even suspect what had occurred till we got ready to tell them he did not even take his brother into his confidence for wallace kept store and gossiped very much with his customers besides he was very busy just then selling out for he was going to the klondike with william and he had too much on his mind to be bothered or so william said All this i must tell you or you will never understand the temptation which assailed me when having returned to washington i awoke to my own position and the kind of men whom i could now hope to meet i was the wife oh the folly of it but this was known to so few and those were so far removed and one even my friend Sadi, being dead. Why not ignore the miserable secret ceremony and cheat myself into believing myself free, and enjoy this world of pleasure and fashion as Cora was enjoying it, and trust—trust what? Why the Klondike, that swallower up of men? Why shouldn't it swallow one more? Oh, I know that it sounds hateful, but I was desperate. I had seen you." i had one letter from him after he reached alaska but that was before i left Owasso. i never got another and i never wrote to him he told me not to do so until he could send me word how and where to write but when these directions came my heart had changed and my only wish was to forget his existence and i did forget it almost i rode and danced with you and went hither and yon lavishing money and time and heart on the frivolities which came in my way calling myself veronica and striving by these means to crush out every remembrance of the days when i was known as antoinette and antoinette only for the klondike was far and its weather bitter and men were dying there every day and no letters came i used to thank god for this and i need not think not yet whither i was tending one thing only made me recall my real position that was when your eyes turned on mine your true eyes so bright with confidence and pride i wanted to meet them full and when i could not i suddenly knew why and suffered do you remember the night when we stood together on the balcony at the ocean view house and you laid your hand on my arm and wondered why i persisted in looking at the moon instead of into your expectant face it was because the music then being played within recalled another night and the pressure of another hand on my arm a hand whose touch i hoped never to feel again but which at that moment was so much more palpable than yours that i came near screaming aloud and telling you in one rush of maddened emotion my whole abominable secret i did not accept your attentions nor agree to marry you without a struggle you know that you can tell as no one else can how i held back and asked for time and still more time thus grieving you and tearing my own breast till a day came you remember the day when you found me laughing like a madwoman in a circle of astonished friends you drew me aside and said words which i hardly waited for you to finish for at last i was free to love you free to love and free to say so the morning paper had brought news a telegraphic despatch from seattle told how a man had struggled into Nome, frozen bleeding and without a countermance or companion it was with difficulty he had kept his feet and turned in at the first tent he came to indeed he had only time to speak his name before he fell dead this name was what made this dispatch important to me it was william pfeiffer for me there was but one william pfeiffer in the klondike my husband and he was dead that was why you found me laughing but not in mirth i am not so bad as that but because i could breathe again without feeling a clutch about my throat i did not know till then how nearly i had been stifled we were not long in marrying after that i was terrified at delay not because i feared any contradiction of the report which had given this glorious release but because i dreaded lest some hint of my early folly should reach you and dim the pride with which you regarded me i wanted to feel myself yours so closely and so dearly that you would not mind if any one told you that i had once cared or thought i had cared for another the week of our marriage came i was mad with gaiety and ecstatic with hope nothing had occurred to mar my prospects no letter from denver no memento from the klondike no word even from wallace who had gone north with his brother soon i should be called wife again but by lips i loved and by whose language my heart thrilled the past always vague would soon be no more than a forgotten dream an episode quite closed i could afford from this moment on to view life like other girls and rejoice in my youth and the love which every day was becoming more and more to me but god had his eye upon me and in the midst of my happiness and the hurry of our final preparations his bolt fell it struck me while i was at the don't laugh rather shudder at the dressmaker's shop in fourteenth street i was leaning over a table chattering like a magpie over the way i wanted a gown trimmed when my eye fell on a scrap of newspaper in which something had come rolled to madame it was torn at the edge but on the bit lying under my eyes i saw my husband's name william pfeiffer and that the paper was a denver one there was but one william pfeiffer in denver and he was my husband and i read feeling nothing then i read again and the world my world went under from my feet for the man who had fallen dead in the camp at nome was wallace william's brother and not william himself william had been left behind on the road by his more energetic brother who had pushed on for succour through the worst storm and under the worst conditions possible even in that god-forsaken region with the lost one in mind the one word that wallace uttered in sight of rescue was william a hope was expressed of finding the latter alive and a party had started out did i read more i do not think so perhaps there was no more to read here was where the paper was torn across but it was no matter i had seen enough it was wallace who had fallen dead and while william might have perished also and doubtless had i had no certainty of it and my wedding-day was set for thursday why didn't i tell cora why didn't i tell you pride held my tongue besides i had had time to think before i saw either of you and to reason a bit and to feel sure that if wallace had been spent enough to fall dead on reaching the camp william could never have survived on the open road for wallace was the stronger of the two and the most hardy every way free i certainly was some later paper would assure me of this i would hunt them up and see but i never did i do not think i dared i was afraid i should see some account of his rescue i was afraid of being made certain of what was now but a possibility and so i did nothing but for three nights i did not sleep the caprice which had led me to choose the old Moor house to be married in led me to plan dressing there on my wedding morning it was early when we started cora and i for waverley avenue but not too early for the approaches to that dreadful house to be crowded with people eager to see the daring bride why i should have shrunk so from that crowd i cannot say i trembled at sight of their faces and at the sound of their voices and if by chance a head was thrust forward farther than the rest i cowered back instinctively and nearly screamed did i dread to recognize a too familiar face the paper i had seen bore a date six months back a man could arrive here from alaska in that time or was my conscience aroused at last and clamoring to be heard when it was too late on the corner of n street the carriage suddenly stopped a man had crossed in front of it i caught one glimpse of this man and instantly the terrors of a lifetime were concentrated into one instant of agonizing fear it was william pfeiffer i knew the look i knew the gait he was gone in a moment and the carriage rolled on but i knew my doom as well that minute as i did an hour later my husband was alive and he was here he had escaped the perils of the klondike and wandered east to reclaim his recreant wife there had been time for him to do this since the rescue party left home in search of him time for him to recover time for him to reach home time for him to reach the east he had heard of my wedding it was in all the papers and i should find him at the house when i got there and he would know and cora would know and the wedding would stop and my name be made a byword the world over instead of the joy awaiting me a moment since i should have to go away with him into some wilderness or distant place of exile where my maiden name would never be heard and all the memories of this year of stolen delights be effaced oh it was horrible and all in a minute and cora sat there pale and calm and beautiful as an angel beaming on me with tender eyes whose expression i have never understood hell in my heart and she in happy ignorance of this brooding over my joy and smiling to herself while the soft tears rose End of chapter 25, part 1